Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Katie McGlynn is an actress who has starred in shows including Waterloo Road, Coronation Street and Hollyoaks. She is an ambassador for Prostate Cancer UK and recently appeared in an episode of their series, The Sit Down, to talk about the impact prostate cancer had on her family. Today I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. So, uh, this is all about letter writing. Are you much of a letter writer? I'm not, I'm afraid. I am more of... Your generation. I think it is a generation. Do you know what? I do think I'm in the wrong generation, though. I've always said I like old-fashioned things. I like the thought of people writing letters. I like the thought of people ringing your house phone to ask you out on a date. And (laughs) Has that never happened to you? No. My mum used to dump people on the phone. Did she? I had this one lad called Andy and he was ringing me and I was just always like, I don't want to talk to him, I don't want to talk to him. So I was like, just tell him I'm not here. And then after like three weeks, my mum was like, love, you've rung every day. She's not here and I think you should take that message that she's not here. That's brilliant. Oh, I might get my mum's... Oh, I can't do that now, can I? You can't. <laughs> As if... Did you grow up with a house phone? Yeah, yeah, I'm not that young. I, I know how they work. I just, it was a house phone thing to play out with my friends, but I was a bit young to be dating at that age. Mm. I think we got a mobile phone when I was about 15, and that's when the dating started. Uh, so, yeah, boys had to ring your house when I was a kid. It was thrilling. I think that's thrilling. the best way, though, because I think this generation, everyone's late, every, people cancel. Back in the day, you had to be there because you couldn't get you back did. in touch with them. I mean, to be fair, people were often like, my friend Marcella used to leave me standing at the number 35 bus stop for something like two hours. Are you joking? (laughs) People were still late. Yeah. You just didn't have uh, an excuse. Yeah, it's mainly my friend Marcella. I have to give a shout out to her for always being late. Um, (laughs) She still remains that way. She's still late, even with the dawn of uh, a mobile phone. Um, So, but you, 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 you don't write 
letters. Oh, like, yeah, sorry, everybody so... in your generation. Yeah, we just don't. I think it's more, we're texting, we're voice noting, and it's all very quick and on the go because everybody's so busy these days mm. with all the work opportunities and it's just a fast-paced lifestyle, isn't it? So I just, it I think it's quite sad, really, that people don't write letters anymore because I think I would enjoy it. I, I actually used to do English literature at um, A-level and I, I love writing, but I just, just kind of don't do it anymore, do you? You write cards and things. I used to, but I've I've been that off as well now. Yeah, it's a waste of paper. You're just wasting I'm the stunned. trees. I'm stunned. The card the card industry is going to die it in is. Like ten years' time. Completely. To God. It really because is. It dies with the generation of people who bother to send Christmas cards. I mean, oh, Christmas cards is a dying breed, isn't it? Oh, I just I, mean, I don't see the point though. Because it just says your name and their name. Yes. Yeah. It's a pointless sex. You may as well just text them with a selfie. It's a bit more personal, <laughs> isn't it? Hi. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I, Katie, hate voice notes. Do you? The only voice notes, I've said this before on this podcast, that I find tolerable are ones of when somebody's cracked a funny joke in a WhatsApp group and then just my girlfriends just record themselves laughing. laughing. That's the yeah. best. That's the, They're the best ones. Yeah, they are. They are the best ones. Um, But anyone who, like, leaves me, like, a voice note that is longer than 15 seconds, I'm afraid to say they're first against the wall when the revolution comes. (laughs) Well, that'll be me then. The thing is, with me, Jess, because I'm, like, always, you know, on the go, I just voice note. But because of my accent, I feel like I talk quite slow, like, with my vowels. And... So I say to everybody, speed it up. Cause, speed it up. Yeah, my minimum is a minute at least. And I'd, everyone's replying with 30 seconds and I'm a minute just saying the exact same thing. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> and I just always say, by the way, my voice notes will probably last about five minutes, so please skip through if you want, because I just talk. Have you had directors say that to you? You're going to have to do that again, just quicker. <laughs> I have actually, yeah. <laughs> but I guess it depends on uh, the nature of the scene. But yeah, that has happened to me before. Yeah, Pick up the pace, sure. Katie. You need a, a rocket up your bum. Come on, more energy. <laughs> I would hate that. I I would not thrive in an environment where there was somebody telling me, like giving me direction. Really? I would just I would be like, fuck off. <laughs> like I would hate it. Do you know what? I love it when you, I think. Say if I was uh, creating my own like short film or program or something I'd want to be in control because as an actor you want that creative um freedom to do what you want and the best director to work with where they give you the freedom but then they just guide you so you know because I think a lot of actors all actors are a bit insecure not all of them obviously but most of them yeah like we need guiding we need to be praised or not praised we need to know what if it looks good because I'm my my worst self-critic. I can't watch myself. I have done, because I've had to in certain scenarios. But if I watch it back, like all the uh, rushes that happens when you've just done the take, some actors go and watch it and watch it back. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. No way. I need somebody to just tell me what I'm doing. So, yeah, the best director is somebody who has the freedom, but then they just kind of mould it so it's actually good. Because you kind of don't know when you're just playing it. What I would hate is more so than somebody telling me they've just got to get the tone right. Somebody would 
I would hate to feel like I was being patronised. Yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, that was excellent. You did a great job there. However, we want you to do it completely differently. Yeah. Like, I would hate, I'd hate the sort of horrible, like that bit where they're trying to praise you because you're the talent. Or yeah. I, I just find, I think I would be the world's worst actress. <laughs> I mean, I literally am the world's worst actress. Every time, like, you know, when you make documentaries and sometimes they, they make you come in and out of the room like a million times. I cannot convincingly walk through a door other than the first time I did it yeah I can't do it I've got to say though it is different I always think it's different when you're playing a character rather than when you're playing yourself because I'm yeah. similar to you if it's any documentary type reality yeah. stuff and you've got to redo the redo the takes I just feel the like real a, thing yeah I feel like yeah. a bit of a lemon because I'm like what did yeah. I do I can't be natural again now I can't can't yeah, get into exactly. it exactly <laughs> Exactly. Like to walk up to someone and be like, oh, hello. And it's like, we've met 700 times yeah. before. Now I'm <laughs> pretending we've never met. Like, I, it just seems totally fake. And actually, in many ways, what I... I mean, I've, I've been filmed for many documentaries now um, about various different things. And I, I actually think that they're, they're nothing... They represent nothing about real life. Yeah, yeah, in reality. <laughs> so yeah. much of it is so much of it is edited, edited, and also forced. And um, that I mean, there are some absolutely brilliant documentaries. Don't get me wrong, but they're not that they're, they're authored, and people should understand that that they're authored yeah, and they're directed create, yeah. exactly the same way as a drama piece would be. Definitely. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, but yeah, t- I take my hat off to you. I would just be like, I'd just be sticking two fingers up to anyone trying to patronise me or tell me what to do. I would be, I would be dreadful. So fair play to you. Um, you. <laughs> you must have the patience of a saint. I think I um, am quite patient. I, I think with things like that, you kind of just get used to it. I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a bit of a geek really at work. As soon as they tell me what, what to do, I'm like, oh, yes, sir, please, sir, any more, sir. You just have to get on with it. So, but I love what I do. So you just like, it's one of them things you just crack on. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's worse jobs, isn't there? Well, I couldn't be a politician. <laughs> like, that's a serious job. And You'd be surprised. There's plenty of people who aren't that serious. Oh, really? <laughs> There's loads of people who are wildly underqualified in my <laughs> I like the term Fraser, wildly underqualified. Wildly underqualified. <laughs> Not even just missing the mark slightly. They are literally so far from the mark, they can't even see the mark. <laughs> uh, they're dreadful, lots of them. Um, lots of them are very brilliant as well. Um, but so, you do you have any letters of note that you've been um, sent? Have you been sent like a letter saying you've got a part or something like that you've kept? I've, do you know what? I had a letter from John Winston from ITV when I left um, Coronation Street. And it was a really, I've always kept it because it was such a sweet letter just basically thanking us for being part of the storyline. And it was just, mm. yeah, that's a really sweet letter that I'll always keep because you never know what's going to happen. And it was such an important time in my life. And for mm. him to write that letter, it just meant a lot to me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'd say that's one off the top of my head. <laughs> It wouldn't have been as good in a voice note. Yeah, right. exactly. See? It wouldn't have no, been as wouldn't. good in a voice note. And even... I'm a bit of a technophobe. I try and save these said voice notes and I can never do it. It's probably because I've ran out of memory on my phone. But, you oh, know, so. when you get like some, like you were saying, some hilarious yeah. voice notes, I, I'm like, right, I'll star it. And then I just won't see it for years. It'll be gone. We 
We have one that me and my girlfriend share amongst us. Uh, we once had a, we often have a debate on voice notes about how you pronounce different words. Really? And the, the word jalapeno um, was up for debate for some time. And we have a voice note now that we share in almost every situation. There's no note where this voice note cannot be shared. And it was a lad that one of my mates had hooked up with when we were on holiday in Mallorca, Brilliant. a Spanish lad. Oh, lovely. And she, she hadn't seen him for two years. But she texted him and said, how do you pronounce jalapeno? And so we all have this voice note of this random man from Mallorca saying jalapeno. That's brilliant. That's actually hilarious. <laughs> jalapeno. That would be something <laughs> me and my friends do, actually. That's hilarious. So in any lull moment, someone just puts the jalapeno. jalapeno. <laughs> <laughs> so is that how you girls always pronounce it now? Uh, hello, yeah, no, I can't, I can't help myself. Before, I just said jalapeno. Yeah. Uh, and now, I'm like, jalapeno. <laughs> and now, I can't stop myself. And so you sound like an idiot when you're ordering at the cinema. The people at Odeon, Lux in Birmingham, they don't want me to go jalapeno. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a bit of light entertainment in between <laughs> shifts, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Um, so you've got, that's a nice letter to to have kept. Um are you worried about, uh, somebody was saying to me the other day, um, that soaps are really like, that. you know, that Coronation Street and things are really struggling. And, and, oh, really? And, yeah. I think... Post-pandemic, there's something to do with the pandemic. I do think... I just think generally, I think soaps are going to be around still for a long time because they're like... Yeah. They're part of British culture, aren't they? I just they think are. they're all... They're like the safety net for a lot of people mm. and escapism. I just think they probably struggled with COVID because they've had to carry on and still yeah. carry on. And like, say, for instance, dramas or productions, you can stop it, obviously reluctantly stopping it because of the budgets and everything. Yeah. But with this, and you can stop and start again and reconvene. Soaps, you can't. You have to keep going. So with, I think personally with the COVID measures being relaxed, they still have a duty of care for all the cast and the crew. Mm. And if one of them goes down, they still all will go down yeah. and they've got to keep it going. So I imagine they'll be struggling in that sense. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's a bit hard for me to say as well because I've left for yeah. Coriander. I did um, a little bit of Hollyoaks last year. Yeah. I'm still in touch with everybody. And I, th- I just think, I think a lot of things are struggling. I think that, my industry is still struggling on the backlash of COVID. There's still so many productions that haven't even been started that were meant to be started two years ago. And it's just a constant backlog of where we And they're still in different countries or different parts of the UK trying to fit everything in. It's like a racing game. Mm-hmm. So they've got to do all them productions before they can start any new ones. I uh, remember the very first episode of Hollyoaks. Do you? Yep. Uh, we all went round to uh, one of my friend's houses uh, to watch it. It was like a, it was like a major event, the first episode of Hollyoaks. I, I, I remember it in my head. It's around the similar time. It might be actually before uh, when they launched Channel 5. I remember that. We had a, we had a shindig for the launch wow. of Channel 5 as well. I feel old now. But, yeah, I remember it was the fellow. He came in on his bike, Kurt. 
Uh, his name was Ike. He yeah. loved his bike and to the pub with the woman he fancied, the blonde-haired woman, uh, and her dad ran the pub, and Jambo was in it. And then I once saw Jambo at uh, Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam, and I was like, oh, look, it's Jambo from Hollyoaks. And my mum thought that meant that I knew him, and so she, because she wasn't aware of Hollyoaks. Yeah. And she, so she was just like, oh, hello, how are you, Jambo? Like that, that's like, oh, God, that's embarrassing. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I love that. So... Even though you're not a letter writer, I've asked you to think about three different people that yes. uh, you would like to write letters to. And as you want to live in a bygone era, like you're Jane Austen. Yes. Um, that's, that's, that's what we're aiming for. Uh, so the first letter would be to somebody who means the world to you. So who would that be? Um, I think, because the first person that springs to mind would have to be my niece. She just oh, wow. is up there. She's just there. She's like, she is my world. I know it's like cheesy, but... She's, we've just got such a close relationship and everybody says that my family watched me grow up they just say that you were like that she's just like you all these little things she does and how she looks and her manner it's just like you were just the same and whenever we go out um everyone's always like oh she's your daughter and I'm like no she's not my daughter but we've just got such a cute relationships how old Relation- is she? she's four She's four. Yeah. Uh, and is she your only niece or nephew? You... Um, she is. I've got her and I've got two other nephews. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, I love them all to bits. You can't have a favourite. You can have a favourite. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> you can have a favourite. I've, um, I've got four nephews and I love them all very much. But Max, my nephew, is my favourite. And I'm, I'm not going to pretend otherwise. He's my favourite. I love him. <laughs> I like your bluntness. Yeah, I mean, I, I often have a favourite child. It does change. Like, <laughs> I, I, like, I love both my children the same, but I like them differently, differently on different days. And, uh, you know, this week, my older son's having a renaissance, but next week it could be my, my younger son. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> That's life, though. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. So what's your niece's name? She's called Emmy May. Emmy May. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. She is sweet. She's she's just hilarious. Like, at first she was very camera shy, but obviously because of me and, like, my job, I'm on my phone a lot. Even though I don't, to be honest with you, I don't even like Instagram, but it's kind of part of our world now, Mm. isn't it? Um, So if I'm on it, I'm like, oh, let's have a picture, let's do that. And she she loves Snapchat, but she calls it Snapchap. I'm like, right... (laughs) I've deleted Snapchat now, Emmy. Let's go on my Instagram stories. And I'm always taking pictures. I'm getting her to do impressions now. And then she just suddenly turned of an age. We went to Disneyland in February. It was a bit of a nightmare at first because she was ill. Mm. And when she's ill, there's just no talking to her. You'll know with with Mm. two kids. And I was just like, oh, I've got a little demon with me. I Mm. thought this was going to be Mickey Mouse world. (laughs) But then like halfway through... She perked up and she had a great time, but it was hilarious because obviously you spend the money, you make such an effort to go to Disneyland. She's four. So at the end, I said, did you enjoy Mickey Mouse World then, Emmy? She's like, yeah, Peppa Pig World's better. I'm like, right, good. <laughs> and we just wasted all that time and energy. <laughs> so they we had a good brutal. time. She's brutal. brutal. But yeah, so I, I've got her to do Harry Potter impressions. I get her to do all sorts now. And uh, I think she quite liked the camera, but that's worrying me a bit because I don't really want her to get into our world. But if she wants to, you know, it's up to her. But, um, yeah, she's she's definitely a character. And you, do you love being an auntie? I do. Oh, I love honest, being an auntie way more than I love being a mum. 
because you get more freedom you get some of the cool yeah. fun animals also, don't you yeah and also they're just like I don't know I just re- I don't see them all the time yeah so uh, then you, um, you want to you miss them more don't you me, yeah yeah and it is different there is a different relationship that you have with your nieces and nephews I think yeah I think so I mean I, I'm saying this I don't have a child but I can imagine going off like what my mum said before and other mothers and fathers but it's interesting because I've never been maternal at all. You don't want to have kids? Well, before Emmy was born, I had to work with kids. I'm not mm. being nasty about any of the kids I've worked with. Some have been absolutely brilliant. But it's hard work. And I've mm. always just thought kids just do my head in. Wow, do they this work. and that. And when I was a bit younger, and I was just like, I don't know how people could deal with that. That's like a lot. But my mum... She got pre- she was the same, not maternal, never wanted kids. And then she got pregnant with triplets. So I think I kind of listened to her stories, which has probably put me off. You know, like having three little I mean, lads. Having triplets. <laughs> that is, I mean, I'd throw myself off a cliff. I'm finding <laughs> think, out that news. I think she nearly did. <laughs> I mean, that is... Oh my god! Yeah, imagine that appointment at the doctor's. At twenty-two, I, do. I know it's insane. Um, but you know, she's a lovely mother. She's, you know, she's the best at it, whatever. And she's like really gone in, grown into a mother. She then she wanted a little girl. Luckily, I popped out, so she got the little girl. But What's yeah, it like having three triplet brothers, a pain. I've got. Three brothers. <laughs> I've got, three, I've got three older brothers. I'm the youngest. Uh, I've got three older brothers, but they're they're not. Like I just imagine, I've got twin nephews there. Um, but um, like, would you? I'd, you just feel separate from them because they're like so bonded. You can do, um, but mine, my my triplets, my brothers are are quite different. So one of my triplets, he's actually like me. Because there's twins, and then there's one that's similar to me. So we were very close growing up. Are they identical? The tw- so two twins, the twins, and, and then oh there's God. the extra one. They don't. They don't even look both related. Problems. Yeah, she but them say... two, you wouldn't even think they were brothers. It looks yeah. so different. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a fun, a fun house to grow up in. Like I, I'm actually secretly a bit of a tomboy, really. I always used to want to play with the action men rather than my Barbies and like get stuck in. I used to go playing out with them and that kind of stuff. But yeah, going back to the maternal thing, I've heard all this stuff off my mom. I want to be an actress. I'm not being funny, but when you're career-minded, you're quite selfish. Yeah. So I thought there's no chance I'm going to have kids. I'm too selfish. I'm too focused on my career and my family that I've got now. Yeah. But then as soon as Emmy was born, I was like, I fell in love with her. And obviously I've watched her grow up, I've been involved in her growing up. And I'm like, oh, I kind of get it now. Like I'm older. I understand why people would want children. It's just funny. My mum's always said as well, she said, I love our kids. I just don't like anyone else's kids. <laughs> and I think that's quite that's quite apparent I'm finding out with a lot of uh, mothers. But, you know, but yeah, I'm a, I'm, it's strange as well because I went to... Emmy's stay and play, it's called. She's got mm. little ducklings because um, she's not in reception yet and you just go there and you watch, you know, they show you around with the other little kids and stuff. And I don't know what it is, but I think kids love me. I don't know what I do, but they just gravitate towards me. So when I was younger and I didn't like them, I was like, oh, 
can I get out now? <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess it's growing up as well because I'm approaching 30. Yeah. I think people do change. You'll you'll know more than me. Mm. Like there's life stages, isn't there, where your priorities change? And... I mean, I had two kids by the time I was 30. But... Did you? Yeah, I was like your mum. I was 22 when I had my first. Oh, man. How was that? Uh, I was thinking about it quite a lot yesterday because it was his birthday. It was his, uh, uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it was a shock to the system. It's the hardest job. It's the hardest job in the world. Um, But also like, it just gets easier as they get older and better because they're like people that you can associate with and chat with and, and, and like, I don't know. I really like them as adults. I like them as they've got older. I like them as proper people. Uh, I mean, I always liked them, but it's just knackering. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, so so Emmy Le, em, Emmy May has yeah, that's it. To, Emmy May. I wanted to call my younger son May. Um, oh. But he was a boy. <laughs> that would be unfair. Um, although, actually, now on reflection, I think he probably would have preferred it. Uh, the, <laughs> um, the uh, so she has made you feel more likely to have a child. Yeah. Yeah, and she doesn't That's have a, a clue. Thing for a it is a big do. thing. I know. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes she's like, she makes me completely put off, and I'm like, nope, not having kids. Yeah. You're doing me, I did. But the majority of the time, she has made me feel them feelings where it's like, oh, I understand why people would want kids, and it's it's hard work going off what you're saying and what my mum's yeah. told me. But I bet it's very rewarding, and there's nothing like having your own child. And this is a bit probably a bit narcissistic but I want to tell you I'm a bit too curious I want to know what a mini me looks like like what they'd be like (laughs) like what could you what is because it's such a magical thing to be able to create a person from having a fun time with someone and literally like you're so they're grown adults now and that was from you having fun on one night and it's like how's this happened our bodies are such a phenomenal thing I often think like this is like because I have two sons. Like I grew two willies inside of me. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's brilliant. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I'm a woman, and yet I created that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like that. I mean, there you go. It's like, pretty impressive. I'm pretty special. Yeah, there you so, are. It's it, and also like lots of my friends have um, got children. Some haven't got children, and, and some of them are going through IVF and things like that. There is an element of just magic about it. Like, even though there's, you know, all the science behind it, actually, your baby coming into existence, the chances of it are so infinitesimal that one person would be be the outcome. Yeah. Um, that it is just like a, it's like a magic trick. Yeah, it's Creating a miracle. The we're all yeah. we're all miracle babies, yeah. really, aren't we? It is, it is a miracle. It was a very very hot. Like the chance of you existing was like. Like you've got a better chance of winning the lottery than the it's chance insane, of It's insane, isn't it? It's yeah. mental. Yeah. Um, so, how would you sign off a letter to everyone? Um, I would have to say, um, I love you lots. You're my little shining star. I love you, boo boo. Love, Auntie Katie. Mm. 
ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So the second letter I asked you to think about was somebody who's no longer here. So who would that be? That would have to be my granddad, Dennis Carter. He was like my hero growing up and he was always there um from day one with my acting career um he took me to every drama class every pantomime thing I was in when I was younger like everything he was there because my dad was up working you know feeding us clothing us and my granddad had retired so he was just around and he was as mad as a box of frogs he looked like the guy from Back to the Future, you know, the scientist guy, that's, yeah. that's how he looked, yeah. But he was just an amazing character. It's like he could do so many different things. He had such a cool life. I think he was a gymnast at one point. Then he was an electrician. He lived in Africa for a bit. Like, he just had, like, quite a crazy life. But, yeah, he was he was like my rock. And, um, sadly, he got diagnosed with prostate cancer. But, originally, we thought it was arthritis, 
Um, it kept going to the doctors, and I'm not dissing the NHS at all. No, but these but things happen. I'm just yeah, stating a fact. Yeah. You know, they kind of laughed at him and said, "You go on, Dennis. You've got arthritis. It's nothing to worry about." And then in the end, one of my brothers had had enough because he was in a lot of pain, and he and he had like way far gone prostate cancer. So they gave him six months. And prostate cancer is is got really high survival rates. I know like, it's it just detected early. I know, but I think as well with that generation and men in general, yeah. they don't want to go to the doctor. I know that's brushing well, also, brushing everybody, but you, no, you're absolutely right. But women, because of having babies, actually largely, and um, women are much more uh, get much more used to being messed about with yes, intimately by doctors. So like, true. you know, I've had all manner of people looking at all manner of my bits and pieces. And now I don't, it doesn't, uh, wouldn't even cause me a single no, cause you've had moment to of concern. That. I yeah. just drop, drop, take your dress off and you're like, all right. Oh, yeah, it's very funny, wraps. isn't it? Because yeah. like, sorry to go off on a tangent, but we have bikini waxes, we go yeah, spray exactly. tanning and you just kind of, you're just like that, yeah. Women we're... are just much more. Uh, there's no way of saying this without it sounding creepy, but we're much more. Be- we're much more used to people fiddling with us. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> you're absolutely that, right, though. That is, we're much more used to that, both in a health profession and also with the sort of beauty regimes that women put themselves through. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, I think that definitely there's a generational issue about talking about it, which one will hope with prostate cancer goes away people like my husband go and have regular checks and things yeah. like that is that the next generation are much more acutely aware of it but that's why you need really good empathetic healthcare professionals isn't it yeah. so that when somebody comes in and they might be you know you actually make sure that they're being taken care of I know and I think I, sp- I think at the moment more than ever the NHS are on such a strain and a backlog oh, God. and obviously they have the GPs have to tick off a list and if they don't necessarily in that box that yeah. box they can't they're not allowed to refer people so it's all yeah. very it's just hard isn't it but i remember he got diagnosed and because he is a fighter he lasted uh just over two years when he right. got diagnosed for six months but it's 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 a tricky subject but by the end of it we all was ready for him to go because he just he just deteriorated into a different person but then I think we all kind of knew we were kind of holding on because he wanted us all to be boxed off and happy, like all his grandchildren, because we all had like bits of goals that we were aiming for. Mm. I remember, um, I've mentioned this before, but he took me to every drama class, every audition, that kind of thing. And I was in Waterloo Road at the time. It weren't really his thing. <laughs> and I used to go around there every Thursday and watch Coronation Street and Emmerdale. And I remember being sat there and he was like, Hey, when are you going to get on Coronation Street? I said, Grandad, I've just, I'm in a job now. I'm a professional actress in Waterloo Road. He said, get out of it. When are you going to get on Coronation? I was like, great, thanks. And anyway, um, he passed away um, in February. And I'd just finished Waterloo Road in the September prior, done a pantomime. Then he passed away just before his 70th birthday. And then two weeks after that, I got an audition for Coronation. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is mental. All this time, I've never had an audition for Coronation Street. And as soon as he passes away, that's when I get my audition. And I just couldn't. And then, you know, seven, 
years later I've been there and ended up leaving on a cancer story like that I think part of me is is why I wanted to do that yeah and actually do do the full start to finish being diagnosed right until the end because that is for a lot of people the sad reality of cancer Uh, obviously Uh, people are surviving like you said if you detect prostate cancer early enough yeah you can go get through it and it's it's incredible cervical cancer you can now like the hpv vaccine we're talking about that it can completely eradicate in 10 years so it is incredible but yeah um yeah so it was kind of a a weird bittersweet moment getting that audition and he's always kind of been in the back of my mind we all love him and my grandma she sadly passed away um not long ago about i think it was a year ago now can't think with covid I'm getting yeah. stuck with all my years says, now. COVID years don't count. So yeah, they don't. I'm no, they don't. Thirty-eight. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I think you know this is a weird analogy. You know, like guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. They always say, don't they? If you, there's two of them, and if one of them yeah, goes, one of them they, dies. Yeah. And I just feel like as soon as my my granddad passed away, my grandma was just never the same. Mm. And I feel like when when she did pass away. It was a bit like a relief for us that she was with him. And I mean, we're, we're not religious family, but for me personally, I just thought I feel better now she's with him because she's yeah. at peace now because she was just nothing, nothing made her happy. It's okay to, it's a massive political debate. Um, it's okay to want, you, it's not that you don't want your family around anymore. Yeah. It's okay to want them to be at peace. Yeah, I think that's the word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like, you definitely get to a stage where you just think this is just torture for people. That's what it is. It's the torture. It's it's like, again, I'm going off on a tangent, that people always say if you end up being paralysed or wait, your brain's working and your whole body doesn't, I c- and you've not had that sign-off where someone can switch you. I'd want to be switched off. I'd have, mm. I couldn't deal with... I know it's not the same, that's an extremity, but... Yeah, it's the torture element, especially at the end of an illness. Yeah. It's just, it's so also, destroying. It, it t- changes your personality. I watched my mum die when I was 29, I was your age, and my mum died. And um, just uh, in the last five months of her life, she wasn't the same person. Like, her personality no. had changed. Yeah. Um, she was almost unrecognisable, really, in yeah. lots of ways. Like she was so reasonable and calm and kind, and and then towards the end, she just uh, understandably became like much more unreasonable about things, and it's just like, um, and my husband used to say to me, "Well, imagine what it's like, you know? Yeah. She's like she's paralysed. She was paralysed with her cancer. Like, you know, you'd be unreasonable. Yeah, you <laughs> you'd, would. You'd yeah. become unreasonable. Um, and it had gone to her brain, so things like mm. that had affected her. But um, it's like you know." It, it's it's okay to want people to be at peace. Yeah, I totally I totally empathise with that. We need to be better at, at being okay with death. that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's it, isn't it? It yeah, my granddad completely changed. He, he turned into. It's like the, sometimes it can be reverting back into a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, he wasn't very nice to be around. To be quite yeah. honest, and yeah. and it was it was sad to see because he was the complete opposite. Yeah. When when he was himself, but uh, 
But yeah, so that's my uh, second letter. <laughs> so who, how would you sign off your letter to your granddad? Um, what was I his would, name? Dennis, Dennis Carter. Carter. I would have to say, to my hero, Granddad Dennis, I hope you're okay up there. We miss you so much and I hope you're proud of me. I've always been proud of you. I love you forever. Your favourite granddaughter, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> You know that he is proud of you, don't you? I hope so. It's hard, isn't it? You don't need to hope. You 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 know, there's no way that even if you'd become a mass murderer. They're always you know, proud that, of that, you. Yeah. That, that is the truth. I'll hold so, on to that. <laughs> to my kids, I won't defend you in court, but I will still love you and I'll assume you had your reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the final letter is to somebody who uh doesn't know the effect that they've had on your life. So who would that be? My final letter would have to go to Carol Godby. She runs a theatre workshop in Bury and I'd done bits, basically my mother put me into a drama class when about seven because I was painfully shy. I never spoke to anyone. I was quite a quiet kid, really. And um, so she, she didn't know what I was interested in. I did swimming, I did bits of stuff. She said, right, let's put her in a drama class. She'll come out of the shell. About a week or two later, I was ended up being the the main part of this stage production, and she couldn't believe it. She was like, "Is that Katie? What, what's she doing up there? Like, what's going on?" And uh, so from that, I'd always been interested, and my granddaddy always took me. And then when I was about thirteen or fourteen, I joined the Carol Godby Theatre Workshop. Lisa Riley had been there, Sam Aston, Jenny McAlpine, McAlpine. Sorry, so many actors that you see today had been there so this was like the the big one for me to go to in Bury in Bury in Bury I know and I remember being there and I made it my mission to um get not get close with Carol but I wanted her to notice me I wanted to be on the agency and I wanted this so much so every Saturday when my friends were on the street corner drinking cider I I wouldn't do all that. I'd be there at 9am on a Saturday doing my classes. I'd just be there every weekend. No one and ever then... made a career out of standing on a corner drinking soda. <laughs> well, I mean, some maybe, people maybe, have. maybe one or two people <laughs> have made a career out of that, like a successful career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was there every week. And then I she was just like my mentor. And, and I couldn't, I wouldn't be sat here talking to you now if it wasn't for her. And she made my career because I think she she noticed that I was there a lot and I really wanted it. And she must have seen something in me um, that she thought would be successful or can join the agency. So I remember begging her all the time, can I join the agency? She said, yeah, you just need to do a bit of background work. Let's get you on Waterloo Road. I was an extra on that through my high school. Um, so I was doing that for a while. And then I got my audition and she was just like, the person there that was pushing me on my side, giving me loads of advice. And it's a shame, really, because we're still in touch sporadically. But you know what the industry is like. You move on to different avenues. I'm with a different age, and, and it's just like how it's developed over the... I think it's been like 12 years now since I started. And we're still very friendly with each other, but and I just don't think she realises how important she is to me. 
and I'll I'll never forget what she's done and I'll always be super grateful to her for giving me that chance because if she'd not have seen something in that little girl from Rochdale because I remember as well because every Saturday I was always the comedian I was a class clown it was really bizarre because then all the parts I've got were like death and crying and, <laughs> and I'm like Carol how do I cry and she was like trying to tell me how to cry because I didn't know what to do um but yeah she molded me into be this confident teenager because I didn't know where to get the confidence from and going to her workshops brought me out and Shell I learned so much and if it wasn't for her letting me join her agency when she did and get me to that first audition I wouldn't I wouldn't have been sat here because I probably would have gone to drama school mm. but I don't know how that would have worked out I've got no idea I've um I've always kind of got a bit of imposter syndrome, to be honest, because I never did go to drama school and study correctly. Yeah. And I've all um, the the uh, the theory side of it. I just yeah. kind of go in there and pretend I'm that person, and it always has kind of worked. That's acting. <laughs> well, that's what I think. Um, but yeah, so I'd have to say it's Carol Godby all the way. I think she's an amazing, an amazing lady. She's helped so many people and landed so many careers and I don't think she realises how important she is and um, would you like to do like comedy roles and things oh I'd love to yeah, it's a like... shame really because I did um, what was uh, stand up to cancer yeah. uh, the comedy oh, the comedy thing the yeah, comedy yeah, yeah. one and I've really got stuck into it me and my friend because we had to write our own um, set it was for five minutes and I remember writing it and I was like, right, what's funny stories? So we were brainstorming. I ended up having like 15 minutes. I thought, oh, what am I going to do? So I remember I was talking to um, to Zoe, my mentor. I think I remember talking to Jason as well at one point. And he was like, we call it killing babies, Katie. you just got to kill your babies and get rid of the, the jokes. I was like, okay. And I did it and it was so much fun. But I just think... It's a shame because obviously it's a t like we were saying earlier, it's a TV show, yeah. and they had to edit it in a way for it to be entertaining for everyone to fit yeah. their kind of role in that narrative of stand up and deliver. And it, you'd they missed all my jokes, which I was quite <laughs> proud of. <laughs> but some of them were on the cusp where I thought, I don't know if my mum and dad should be watching. <laughs> you know, like I, I think I remember I was joking about dating apps getting sent penises and all that kind of stuff and uh, it, it was hilarious but do you know what the thrill of doing it I was absolutely uh she's a ruining myself I could yeah. I was shaking it's fine all right good <laughs> I was I was shaking because me being on stage as me is completely different to acting so I was like what am I doing but do you know what happened? As soon as I got on stage and start, said one word, I just relaxed into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like and sitting it just, in an exam. You just yeah. Have to just get on with it. Yeah. And I felt like I was at home in a strange yeah. way because you're on stage and you just kind of... And then when they laughed, I was like, oh, this feels good. They're <laughs> laughing at my joke. Although there was one point where I just had a brain fog. and It was literally for about 10 seconds, but on stage it feels it like feels an hour. It feels like a lifetime, yeah. And I went, oh... Fuck. And then I went, right, I've remembered where I am, everyone. Right, let's get cracking. And then we just started and it was just really funny. And I remember after it, I came off and I just felt incredible, the fact that all the jokes that I didn't know people were going to laugh at, they did. And to get that instant... 
gratification yeah, was so is. weird. It's like a drug, though, that is. Uh, yeah. Partly the problem with our Prime Minister, I'm afraid to say, is that he's an entertainer and he gets... He is entertaining. Dr- it's, it's the drug of... Uh, saying silly things and uh, you know I definitely I definitely suffer from it you, uh, you but you know when you're the prime minister you have to keep that in check and actually then do some work as well um, as that as yeah. well as that you can't <laughs> just be entertaining you also have to have a plan yeah. and follow it um but yeah it's uh, it is it's a, it's, a, it's a drug but you could do like comedy dramas yeah brilliant i think comedy dramas i'd love to do that because it's just fun isn't it like yeah. and being around actors that have got that comedic flair and the mm. timing and just being in that environment because being funnily enough doing all the uh cancer stuff I, I ended up I'm best friends with Rob who played my husband on it and because we've got the same kind of sense of humor and it's like a family there we'd literally be crying our heart out at the most depressing awful yeah. stuff as soon as it says cut We'd be laughing. Yeah. Like, we're psychotic. It's yeah. not normal, but you ha- that's what we had to do Can to kind of get through it. It is normal. I worked in women's refuges for many, many years, and people used to say to me, God, that must be really tough work. I used to be like, we're having a laugh all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have gallows humour. You, like, joke about the things that are difficult. Like, we'd properly take the piss out of each other and and the women, and they'd take the piss out of us. And, and, like, because, you you know, you're dealing with hard things. You've got to to laugh. You have to. Um, But, yeah, I mean, people often think that, oh, gosh, that must have been really hard. And I think it was one of the best jobs I ever had. It was the funnest. Yeah. We had a a proper... You're dealing in hope as well as... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think when it's such a serious, sensitive subject, your mask kind of comes off and you're so raw into it. You're kind of more relaxed and... Yeah, that's the only way to get through it. My main motto in life is uh, me and my best friend. It's if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah, and I just always stick to that. People probably think I'm a bit crackers. I I am like a serious person and I care a lot about stuff, but you've got to have a laugh about it. Well, I mean, I always I spend my whole life talking about rape statistics, and I somehow maintain being in you know yeah cheerful in good spirits yeah you, you, you know it's not bad at all you wouldn't be able to get through it if you really if you, if you weren't having a laugh yeah definitely I mean, sometimes you want to rage against the world but mostly yeah. i just i'm like right i've got to crack on and you're just cracking on with people and having a laugh yeah otherwise you wouldn't want to turn up for work would no you, you wouldn't want to go yeah exactly um, so how would you sign off your letter to this amazing mentor woman i would say Carol, you don't know how much you mean to me. You have been the most amazing mentor. You catapulted and created my career, and I hope you know that I'm forever grateful and you'll always hold a piece in my heart. Love, Katie. Well, Katie, it's been a total pleasure. Oh, it really has. Thanks for having me on. No worries. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jasper Lips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jasper Lips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? You could also follow us on social media. We're at Jasper Lips Pod. Goodbye. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.